SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. And he joins us on the line. Now, Faf, good evening. Thank you very much for being able to speak to us on SAFM tonight. Oh, but thank you so much, man. That was an awesome introduction. You're way too kind. And also, very privileged to be with Akane. I'm an amazing, amazing athlete. I've been watching him from the distance. So, yeah, um, looking forward to chatting to you guys. Yeah, Pretoria stand-up, by the way. Now that I think about it, they're both from Pretoria. But but how's the short break been for you, Faf, at the SA20? Are you ready to go again? Yeah, it's been really good. Uh, I, I went home back to Cape Town for um, three or four days just to see the family. Uh, I, I played in the Big Bash in Australia this mm-hmm. December, so I went straight from the Big Bash um, and joined up with the SA20 League. So uh, it was about two, two and a half months since I've been home. So it was really good just to sleep in my own bed for a chance. <laughs> but but wouldn't you have loved to keep playing after that 100, the first one of the SA20, the only one? How special was that knock for you? Yeah, that's always the case, isn't it? When you when you are in a bit of a, a form and purple patch, you, you just want to play as much as possible um, because you really want to ride that wave. Um, cricket, at the most of times, is, a, is quite a... A difficult thing but when it does feel a little bit easier when you've got a little bit of form on your side you really want to cash in so uh, luckily the, the gap was not too big um, so hopefully we can continue um, in our in our team form and also my own personal form and um, the last two games we played we won so um, also I've got a three home games in a row and and possibly potentially even a semi-final or a final all at home games as well so yeah really exciting last um seven days or 10 days to look forward to. Definitely. But for me, if there was ever a player to score the first 100 in the SA20, even if it's the only one, I think it had to be you, Faf, just because of how you talk in the book about the experiences you've gained playing and captaining T20 teams around the world. And I guess you've brought that experience now to South African cricket again. Oh, thank you so much. But yeah, it does feel... Um, a bit like it was meant to be part of the script, doesn't it? And it was so nice um, to have done that. Um, and also, I think it's important that a South African um, gets that that first hundred and not one of the overseas guys. We wouldn't want them to come here and, and boss the show here in South Africa. So, yeah, hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully I can keep um, putting in some performances. Um, really, really still driven to to do well personally, but also, I mean, as we all do, we want to play to try and win competition. So hopefully can can help the um, the Joburg Super Kings do that. And and in the book, you also open up a, a lot about, about your life on and off the field. And I think maybe when people do get the book and read it, they'll probably get a better idea of who you are. Was that the intention, just to let your gut down a bit? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the the first process of the book, um, you know, when I was playing international cricket, there was a few people that um, asked me if I would be interested in writing a book. And my, the answer back then was no. Um, but then when COVID came around, uh, I had that same question again. And I thought, you know what, um, right now, I can't do what I love and be a cricketer and, and spend amount of energy and time into it. So let me try and um, give my absolute base to the possibility of of writing a book and then see if I felt like there was something worth sharing. Um, and, you know, straight away, I opened up all, all the notebooks of the years that I, I just wrote in my diaries um, through captaining the Proteus and obviously playing around the world. 
and I found that there was there was a lot to, to tell. Um, and strangely enough, um, straight away I knew that it wasn't going to be a typical cricket book. I didn't want it to be at all about that because I personally find reading about cricket boring. Um, so I didn't want to go down that avenue. Um, the things that really um, I'm passionate about is is leadership, um, it's culture and building cultures and being very lucky to uh, be captain of, of a South African culture, which is so awesome and so unique and so diverse. And it taught me so much. And I thought, you know, especially through that process, there's so much um, that people could um, relate to. You didn't have to be a cricketer to to understand those things and, and almost put yourself in the shoes of, you know, I, I go through that in my workplace or I go through that at school or uh, there's so many places you can you can really put yourself in that position. So I felt that there was a lot for me to talk about. Um, and then the and then the process started, which was a lot harder than I thought it would be. Um, I thought it would be a year, um, you know, do a couple of, you know, planning sessions, writing sessions, interview sessions. But it took two and a half years. Um, so it was a lot of hard work, but very, very proud of, of how, it, how it all finished. And and overall, what would you like people to just take out of this book? I think that, I mean, nothing is easy. You know, I, I look at myself as, as someone that, you know, that's played international cricket for 11 years, I've done most of it, but my story is not one of, of success and like, look at me and how amazing I am. It's like, you know, sport is hard, you know, life is hard and you get thrown a lot of challenges uh, and it's how you look at those challenges and how you, I suppose, pick yourself up after you've had a bad day at the office. So I, I really felt that they would, you know, a lot of people, like as I said, can relate to everyday things like that. So I just, I just went through my processes, the things that helped me stay at the top of my game in international cricket. Which, once again, batting especially is a, is a is a skill where you fail much more than you succeed. So just how I, how I dealt with that, um, and then as I said earlier, that if you, if you read the book, you'll see that um, something that's very very important to me is is to be vulnerable, and that was always something that was a part of me as a person and as a leader within the South African team. And I really saw that as a strength. You know, I wanted to show people that vulnerability wasn't a weakness. So through that, you you could get people to really trust you and open up themselves so you can just be yourself in a team environment. So I think if you read the book, you'll see that um, just how passionate I am about people and about culture. And the last thing that I think comes across in the book is my level of honesty that I get into, you know, I, I'm very honest about my own personal things, but also other things that was difficult topics to speak about, but um, was really important for me to go into a space. Um, and that's the question I asked myself in the beginning of the book process. I was like, Fuff, if you're going to write this book, the only way you can do it is if you are completely honest. And that's, that's a hard process to go through because there's a lot of the things that you would it would just be easier not to be honest and just, you know, almost shy away from a few topics. But I felt if, if I was going to do it, I had to commit to it and be true to myself through that process. So I think that definitely comes comes through that honesty. Yeah, and even with the relationships, folks, and his relationship with his wife, Imari, he is very, very open about what happened, especially in the early days of the relationship. And also there's a great story about how he met his wife 
while he was only in his underwear. That's how he <laughs> met his wife. I'm not going to spoil it for yeah, you, that, but they must go get the food. My, that sounds very dodgy. That it sounds wrong, story, but... but I, I, yeah. Let's keep it open for the guys to go and read about. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but just scanning through the book, Faf, you were clear, it seems like you were clear from a young age that you wanted to play cricket and play for the Proteas and you set out to do it. Where, where did that belief come from? Yeah, that's that's a strange one. My dad was a professional rugby player. Um, I think deep down he wanted me to be a rugby player as well, but I was never as skillful as I was in cricket. And yeah, just that there was always a, I suppose, a determination from a young age. Maybe that was from you know my dad really being um, hard and pushing me into being a, a sportsman, almost like a Tiger Woods, you know, dad, like in that mm. very disciplined, um, strong. Um, role to make me succeed but it's definitely something I wanted to do uh, is play cricket uh, I love playing cricket but yeah early on in my in my professional career I had the opportunity of going to um, play cricket in, cricket in England mm. uh, and they offered me a cold pack contract there which basically means you go and play then you qualify to play for England and I had this incredible deep burning desire within my heart to play for South Africa one day. And at the time, it was still a long way away, but I was just so passionate to play for the Proteus one day. Obviously, at that stage, AB was already playing for the Proteus. So, my, you know, one of my school friends was playing there. So, yeah, and I turned that down. And I mean, luckily, that was a great decision for me and very lucky to have played for the Proteus for 11 years and also captain, you know, a team that, taught me so incredibly much uh, about you know different people and working with different um you know uh, styles of, of different people um you know different religions within our squad and different backgrounds so it was this great um school of life lessons that uh, that taught me so much and i'm very grateful for today Inclu- including living inside the the scoreboard <laughs> in <laughs> yeah, england yeah i mean that's <laughs> That's that's what we need to do. Like, like life's not as glamorous always as you want it to be, and that's that was the path that was really important to me. You now, my I think my journey is one that is how oh, I would describe it as the one that you, the gravel road. You know, the one that's a little bit farther. You know, longer road around, but it's really important. And everyone has their own journey. And I'm and I'm, I wouldn't change anything. You know, even living in the scoreboard there for six months. Um, I, I mean, I'm proud of that. You know, it's might be the person I'm today. Yeah, and and I, I love the stories about office and your relationship with AB and how it goes on over over the years, the ups and downs. And you're not even shy to admit that at some point you were jealous of him. I guess professional jealousy because he was so talented. W- would you say in some way then he pushed you also just to be a better player and a better cricketer? Yeah, we always had that competitive um, edge against each other. You know, since the first day we got together. Um, in office, it was a, it was a very competitive friendship, and yeah, obviously, once again, the, the honesty comes through that, that that it wasn't just friendship at all times for me. It was that, you know, where you, you you do become jealous of this guy that just shoots off, um, and does things at the speed of light in terms of, you know, just going from team to team to team, just jumping through the hoops. But then the beautiful thing about that story is then you reach a point where you actually release that, and I and I and I just want the best for my friend, and it's actually then that you you become you become so much more healthier yourself because you don't want someone else to fail. You just want someone else to do well, 
And there was a, a great lesson for me in that moving forward into my career and, you know, playing for South Africa and then later captaining the Proteus to the point where there would have been a lot of other opportunities for me to almost have that same mindset of, I don't want other players to do well because I want to do well and I want to shine. But really just that perspective of I'm going to give my absolute best to try and help people um, no matter what it looks like for me and my performance. So that was, uh, it was a great um, a learning opportunity for me at school to go through. And that's, I talk about those life lessons and journey that really matured me into a better person and a better leader. And, and as you rightly say, with my relationships as well, a better husband and now today even a better father so i'm very very thankful for all the little stumbles um and little roadblocks around my journey that made me uh, into a better person and and how how has that relationship been with ab over the years have you had to mend it over the years uh, uh, because you've had to have some tough conversations with ab especially about the decision that didn't allow him back into the side for the world cup yeah, and I think that's once again it's the journey, um, you know, that I was I speak a book in the book about, you know, when initially when the first time I got um, done for ball tampering early on in my um, South African career, where it was really this um, line in the sand moment for me, where I was like, you know, I don't want to do I don't want to do life and cricket like this anymore, where you feel like you're on the wrong side of making good decisions, um, and almost like trying try and live on a on correct correct principles and, and values. And I think, you know, fast forward, yes, there were some extreme highs with having, you know, playing cricket with AB, you know, one of my best mates and being on that journey with him. But also some really tough lows in, you know, that, you know, as you said, those conversations where you want your best mate to be with you at the World Cup um, because that's also your dream. But then just from a principal point of view, felt like it was it was wrong towards the team at that stage. But you know, I was only one, only one voice in the conversation with the Linda Zondi, the the selector, and, and Otis Gibson, the coach. So, um, and then the selectors behind them, um, the other selectors, and everyone um, luckily felt that that would be the you know everyone was in agreement of that. But that was extremely hard. You know, as I said, that's you, you go as captain. You know, you're going without one of the best players in the world, and as friends, you know, you're going without your friend as well. But just in terms of the, the right decision for, for a culture. Um, that's what we all believed was the right thing to do at the time. So yeah, some real, some real tough, tough conversations. But as a, as a friend, you're very lucky to have, have AB there with me also as a captain uh, and as a player in the Proteus, lucky to have played with him. I mean, he was, you know, one of the greats that, that we will ever see. Definitely. And and there's more detail in the books, folks. So do go get it. The book of Faf Duplessis is our guest um, here on SAFM, a spot on. We're going to take a quick break. There's so many questions and voice notes and we'll play as many as we can. Tabiso Musiya on SAFM. Still speaking to former Proteus captain and skipper of the Jobek Super Kings, Faf Duplessis. There, I'm going to play the voice notes now, but there's a question on Twitter here, Faf from Tulani, who's asking, what was the secret with him and JP Dumini when they bet together? Because they seem to have an understanding. And um, it's quite interesting. I don't think Tulani's got the book. And it's quite interesting because in the book, you talk a lot about the relationship with, with JP Dumini. How do you describe it? Yeah, I think, you know, probably one of the most important relationships I had in the team. You know, JP was my my soundboard uh, number two in the, you know, in terms of I always relied on JP to give me um, 
positive and negative criticism. Like I really needed him uh, as a leader to to see my blind spots. Um, so because of our relationship that was so so strong from a friendship point of view, um, really required uh, and needed him to to almost get to the places where I I couldn't get to. Um, so he was he was very in. Uh, very much important to me into supporting me into the captaincy. Uh, but then even branching down away from JP would have been, you know, guys like um, Ashim Amla, Dale Stein, Mornay Morkel, Vernon Philander, and, and AB was a really strong leadership group that we we had in that team. And, and I required, or I lent, um, is probably the better word, a lot on them um, in that team. And I, and I thought it was a very healthy environment Um you know, it was a super successful year of, of South African cricket. Um, unfortunately, we, we all would have loved to have a crack at winning a World Cup. Um, you know, we were very successful, especially um, 50 over a team that had, I think it was an 86% win rate in that, in that period. So really strong numbers. But yeah, I mean, people would, would gauge you on that, um, that World Cups that we haven't won. In terms of the batting with, with JPS, obviously the relationship was strong. Um, but especially towards the end, I think the the the, the confidence that, that JP got from me as a captain for to just allow him to go and play his natural game mm. and give him that that backing that even if he fails, that we will still have his back. Uh, and I think any player wants that from a leadership team, you know, whether it's a coach or a captain. Um, not everyone has that luxury, of course, because the game does work where people sometimes get left out. But generally, I've seen that the players... Um, that are your best players that you want to back. If they can get a um, conviction and, and backing and trust, um, it always brings the best out of them. Definitely. Let's go to the voice notes now and hear what our listeners have to say. Hi, hi, Tabizo. Ish, you know, there you got the best South African captain, you know, we've ever seen, in my opinion. Uh, just, just, you know, for fun's sake, I mean, I was there last week, so two weeks back, when we were all uh, sharing Duplessis uh, in the in the SA20, I mean Duplessis, Duplessis, and I did that to try because that man embraced everything South Africa is all about, all the quota issues, all the thing. He's the first captain to make sure that they're actually implemented properly with a smile, you know, with the right attitude. You know, I applaud Faf, you know, for me, for me, and I will buy his book. If I could write a book, that is a, that, that is the best captain I've ever had as a country. And thank you, Faf. And I mean your story, you know, you know, you're not handed everything on the silver platter. It was tough on you, you know. Unlike other guys, you know, you're not seen as a potential player before, but you you fought. And uh, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm proud of you for that, and I'm proud of I'm proud of you for for being a proud. Okay. Hello, hello, Tabiso. Hello, Faf. Faf, you know, I've got so much respect for you, man. I've been watching for you. For, I've been watching you since 2015, playing in the Proteas. But Faf. I, I have a question. Can you please answer me personally? Can you please answer me directly? Is there any chance that you can feature in the World Cup, the upcoming ODI World Cup? Is there any chance that you ever don the Protea jersey? I, I please, please, please answer me on this one. And the other thing, I beg you and I'm betting on you to be the leading top scorer in this T20. Uh, good evening, Jason. Good evening to Faf. Uh, it's Libra here from uh, East London. Um, I've just watched the protest woman winning the Tri-Series here, by the way. Um, I've got two questions for you, Faf. Uh, the first one is about Dion Botas. 
uh, we hear a lot about Dion. Uh, a lot of people credit him for, uh, of course, uh, the development of you, A.B. De Villiers, Beavold Brevis, Neil Wagner, and all of those players. Okay, Libra, thanks for that. Hope you've been enjoying the cricket there. And um, Faf, just just a reaction to some of the voice notes. So many people have a lot of respect for you. Sure, man. I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, I've got goosebumps and like my heart is like it's emotional, man, because I like I'm, you know, so proud hearing um, people um, speak like that. I'm very extremely, extremely grateful. So thank you so much for the kind words. Um, it makes me <laughs> it makes me want to put on my Protea jersey and run out of my hotel room and go and play. <laughs> well, that um, was the, the question. Protea Would you put it on again? <laughs> If the opportunity uh, came, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a very uh, tricky question, and I'll, and I'll and I'll answer this as honestly as possible. I think, you know, two years ago, I went through this process um, with a lot of hope um, around getting it right and and making sure that uh, you know I don't let go of that dream, and it and was was hurt through the process. Um, I, I was really hurt and found it a tough period in my life to go through um, a, a tough time and, and, and disappointments, uh, how things were handled. Um, now it's been two years. I think, no, 2019 World Cup was the last time I played a 50-over game. Mm. Um, obviously, this year is a 50-over World Cup. So I would think that, you know, maybe a 50-over World Cup would be um, a little bit um, tricky to go back to um, since I've been playing um, just T20 cricket for the last uh, three years. Um, so I think that will be a big jump. Um, I think maybe next year with the T20 World Cup, um, maybe that's a possibility. I think um, I'm going to have that conversations with um, the new coach. He has he has reached out, so we will catch up um, when he arrives in South Africa. So then it will be a case of starting the conversation and then We'll see how it unfolds. You know, like I said, this the answer now is just purely um, because of the last two years. You know, I've I've missed out on on two World Cups. Um, so yeah, you never know. You know, the new coach comes in and he maybe you know he gets things right um, and, and puts a pathway in place that would make that possible. Um, but I just you know, just from going through that experience last time, um, you know, the the balance between playing. Uh, cricket overseas and, and playing for South Africa then was really tough. So um, I can only um, see how that looks when when we start having those conversations. But after listening to those voice notes, man, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm so I'm so proud. Thank you so much, guys. That was awesome. Uh, and then the last question, just remind me, what was that last um, question? Th- there was a question about Dion Bottas and the role that is played. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah. So I think, look, uh, he was he was influential in in, in um, nurturing, nurturing young talent and office there. We we had an incredible cricket team. We we, I remember going, you know, sitting in a almost like a little huddle as kids do, as fourteen, fifteen year olds, where you sit, uh, and then there's the fifteen team, the seventeen team, the matrix, and we're all sitting there, and, and uh, someone came to come and speak to us, and they go, uh, which. Which of you guys would want to play one day for South Africa? That that question, and obviously there's a lot of hands that goes up. And the answer was like, "Do you know that um, maybe one of you, maybe one of you will one day play international cricket, but nothing more." Mm. 
And um, I mean, obviously, fast forward now, myself played, um, AB played, Heineken played for the Proteus, Neil, Neil Wagner, I don't know why I say Wagner. <laughs> Wagner uh, in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, Neil Wagner played um, international cricket. Um, Kruger Jacques van Wijk. played international cricket. Kruger van Wijk played international cricket. So it's just one of those eras that was freakishly good. Uh, we were number one um, schools team for so long. I think we lost... Uh, my memory, uh, maybe one or two games in, in three years. Um, so it was an incredible cricket team. But yes, Dion Buertas was was great for us at that stage. And he's he's been great at office. And, and I've heard that he's moved across now to, um, I think, uh, Cape Town of Stellenbosch um, to one of the schools there, maybe Paul Boys or something like that. So yeah, it'll be it'll be good for, for them to get someone that's worked with some really great talent um, that's, that's gone through his, his doors. And just finally, Faf, there was a question about the respect that they have for you embracing the culture in South African cricket, but it's a tough place to be captain of South Africa with all the dynamics. And I remember, we'll be honest, we were one of those on the show who were up in arms when you said, um, as the captain, that you don't see colour, but when Temba was dropped. But you do explain in the book your side of the story and also give credit to Siako Lisi for changing your perspective without giving without giving too much. But it seems like you have a close relationship with Sia and you're open also to learning. You're not stubborn and stuck in your ways. Yeah, and I think that's, as I mentioned earlier, that's what I'm so grateful for. Like, the, you know, captaining South Africa, you, you think you do all the right things um, through your perspective. Uh, and that was definitely a learning or teaching moment for me, you know, standing up in my eyes, standing up for Temba, backing him up in a press conference, um, almost saying to the press, leave my player alone. We don't see color in our team. But the context of it, obviously, afterward, it was that I didn't understand why everyone was so angry because from my perspective, you know, I've done nothing wrong. But then came the teaching moment and then the conversation started happening um, with Temba, with um, Andile, with KG, with Vernon, with everyone in our team, and then with Sia, um, just to go like, let me in this moment just sit back and listen to what everyone else is saying and stop talking and try and see someone else's perspective or someone else's story through their lens. And then, I mean, obviously just listening, I got it straight away. Um, so it was a great opportunity for me to grow. But then going back into the culture and then once again checking in with the guys are going, um, I want to make sure that this this Protea environment reflects one that um, all, all cultures feels like it's their own team, you know. So going through that process with those players. And then the general consensus was that, yes, we do feel like we belong. We do feel like we are valued. We do feel like this is our team as well. And that was also very proud for me to go through that experience. But yes, I think um, once again, living in, in South Africa, I saw that as an, uh, as an opportunity for me to um, grow myself as a person. And I think it's a superpower that we have in South Africa. I think our diversity is our strength. Um, and it's, it's, just, it's just making sure that we, we speak about those things in an environment where people feel that they can be honest. And I think that was the most important thing with me. Yes, we have all the things that goes on in South Africa, but I really felt like if people felt like they could speak um, their minds and how they saw things from their own, own, own lenses of life, uh, we got the best out of each other. And that's all, that's really what my job was as captain, is just to make sure that I could get the best out of everyone. So yeah, that was 
really important uh, and time for for me as a as a player, but also as a captain to learn a lot. Yeah, and I think you gave your best also not only to the team but to the country and to your players because you also talk in the book about the, 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 how you are fighting for players' rights off the field also and how they should be getting what they deserve. But Faf, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It was even more of a pleasure even uh, reading the book. It's, it's, it's a really great read and I would encourage everybody. I'm not doing any free promo, but I'm encouraging everybody to get the book here and just get a better understanding of what's happening in South African cricket. Faf Duplessis, Protea Fire and just what he stands for. Thank you for speaking to us on SAFM and all the best for the rest of the tournament. Thank you so much, but I really enjoyed that. And once again, thank you for those. Thank you. It's going to go down as one of the best captains of South African uh, uh, cricket, uh, Faf Duplessis. Not, not, not just because he was a good batter, uh, but also just because, like one of the listeners said, he was able to, to, to embrace and unlearn maybe some of the things that he learned growing up in Pretoria and going to office and, and just be able to be in tune with what was happening in, in, in the country. And he really opens up. He is really vulnerable um, in this book. And he talks about very, very sensitive um, issues and he's not scared to shy away from. It's, he also talks about his about David Warner. I'm not going to give it away because then there'll be no point for you to, to buy the book. But it's quite, uh, it's, it's, it's very funny how the relationship with David Warner um, is and with the Australians also and the Australian media and all of that. And obviously he does talk about Mark Boucher. And I was very surprised, but I, I guess you could see it. I mean, towards the end of his career and you could see it in the team if we really, if we really uh, look deep into it. That I was very surprised that um, they're different styles, him and Mark Boucher. Even he was shocked by the style of Mark Boucher, which was completely, completely the opposite of what he had tried to bring into the team and the culture that he tried to instill, the protea fire and, and the bombers that they would have also. And when Mark Boucher and the new management came, like everything just changed. And I think it caught Faf by, by, by surprise because obviously when you watch somebody on TV, great player, legend, you've got this impression of them. But when you start to work with them, you realize, okay, maybe this is a different person. And, and not necessarily in a bad way, most of it, because he does say, he does respect the fact that uh, Boucher and Smith had their own opinion and their own views on things, but it just wasn't the same views and the same beliefs that he held. Uh, he speaks highly of um, Coach Russell Domingo also, Dr. Musaji. Um, I think those are some of the, of the, of the names that come across in, 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 in the book here. And uh, yeah, go get the book, folks. Otherwise, I'll give you everything now because I've, I have obviously read the book. And and even Zipgate, Libra, he talks about Zipgate, Mintgate, and all the drama that happened with the Australian teams. And his relationship, by the way, um, with uh, Coach Stephen Fleming is contrary to his relationship with, with, with Mark Boucher. And he talks about the IPL also. I also have a very different perspective of the IPL after reading this book and just what it's done also for the game and for cricketers around uh, the world. So that is it. Faf Through the Fire is the autobiography uh, there of Faf Duplessis. Thank you very much to him for being able to speak to us. We'll take a break. While talking about cricket, might as well give the score now because Kajeso Rabada is bowling there. There's a match between My Cape Town and the uh, Deben Super Giants at uh, Kingsmead. My Cape Town posting 165 for five in their 20 overs and uh, the super giants have come out to bet their nine without loss in the second over.